0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today, and thank you for joining us every week at the same time on the program. We have been sharing a series out of the book of Romans, and we are going to continue that today. This will be the third segment that we've shared on the the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, Let me say quickly, though, just in case that we are still airing some of this on the Impact Network cable outlets, that uh, there are some changes that are coming up in February. Uh, Impact Network uh, is going to start offering some uh, uh, family-friendly programming, and they are going to begin at 4 in the evening to do that. So they are preempting our program just on their cable outlets. Listen closely. That's the cable outlets only. We will continue to broadcast on the national feed, on DirecTV, and on Dish Network, and we will continue to be on at the same time. But if you're watching us via cable and you're thinking, oh man, I'm in the middle of this series and I'm going to miss it. If you've got internet, you can still get us you can get us easily by simply going to my YouTube channel, and everything we air to date usually is uploaded within the next day or two after we air it. So you can go there and watch the program on demand, and that makes it really easy for you to do. There's also an audio portion of that as far as a podcast and an RSS feed for your Android device. So it's very easy to do that by simply going to my website at linhiles.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, there are little icons for YouTube, the little Android thing, and the little iTunes uh, icon. Click on them. They'll take you directly to our program. If you subscribe to the programs, which doesn't cost you anything, you will receive a notification every time we upload something new to that program. Okay, enough being said about that. Let's go into Romans 13. We've already built this for a couple of weeks, so we're going to come back and begin reading Uh, verse 1, it says, "...let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves." Now that judgment, once again, is not necessarily God's judgment, but the judgment of whatever authority you're under. They have the power to bring certain kinds of judgments. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. I want you to see that the civil authority, according to the Apostle Paul here, has the right to bear the sword. Uh, It says, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is, God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil, so that the civil government has a right to have a police force to raise an army for the protection of its citizens and the protection of its people. It has that authority that has been God given. Now let me just, we'll get on down and and, and explain some, some perimeters in that. He's an avenger to execute wrath on him that practises evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for your conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, and fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor is due." Now last week we took a long time talking about honor to whom honor is due and being able to um, uh, understand the differences in authority. I'm going to be a little bit more uh, tedious this week in touching some of that because I've got a thing, some things that I've written down and I may just even read some of my notes pertaining to this as I captured the thoughts that I felt like the Lord was downloading into me. But let me first say, to build this, is that this horizontal walk with God is the outworking and the manifestation of who God truly made you to be. So when he's talking about doing what is right, he's really talking about learning how to do what is right, not because it gains favor with God, but because it gains favor on this realm. And I shared with you in prior segments, and I don't want to go back and, and look at that too much, except to say Our relationships are both vertical and horizontal. Vertically, the cross, just like the cross, it's vertical and horizontal. Vertically, our relationship with God, we've been reconciled to God by the death of His Son. We've been made righteous, not on the basis of our performance, not on the basis of did we cross every T, dot every I, not on the basis of the law, not on the basis of anything except the gift of God. So I'm not changing my mind at all about that that is secure, and your relationship with God, it vertically may be 100%, but where I think we need an outworking of what we have, in other words, when you truly connect with this relationship vertically with God, it's going to affect your relationships horizontally. I'm not sure you can be a good husband or a good wife or a good parent or a good anything if you don't have a relationship with God right. I tell couples when they're about ready to get married, if God is not the center of it, you're probably going to be in real trouble. But when He's the center of it and you get this relationship right, then there all of a sudden is an outworking on this horizontal plane where you start to do what is right in your society and community not because you have to, or because you're trying to earn God's approval, but because you've already got it. And you are working then not for salvation, but working out of salvation with fear and trembling, and you're walking on this level, not only to receive favor with God, because Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature with God and with man. And so, you know, you say, well, I don't need men's approval. You, you need it on some level, somewhere. <laughs> I, whether it's your boss, whether it's, 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 it's for a bank loan, whether it's for, but see, even all of those things are what makes our society function is the fact that even when you go before a bank officer to get a loan, there's a track record that says this guy can be trusted to pay his bills. All of that stuff, to me, has nothing to do with your relationship with God this way. It has everything to do with your relationship this way. I said when I was recently in a church I was preaching at, like, what, like I said in the last segment, I talked about how there's a big fight over, you know, should we tithe, should we not tithe under grace? And the bottom line is what you don't support goes away. And so, you know, when, when you give and you support something, because he's talking about rendering to whom honor to honor is due, you know, the Bible says, don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and he that labors among you is worthy of double honor. Here's Paul talking about honor where honor is due. And I, I was, I was dealing with him and showing how, you know, it, it that doesn't, you, I said, you know, I, I, said this thing, I said, God's not mad with you. And I, I'm probably getting in trouble for saying this too. And I, a lot of people take clips of what you say and take it out of context. But let me just say this clearly. You know, when, when you give, and you, you give, like I said, you, 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 let me, let me make it this clear. You don't have to tithe to have favor with God. That's not how you get favor with God. I give and tithe because I have favor with God. I'm not giving to get a blessing, I'm giving because I'm already blessed. But here's what I said. What you don't support goes away. So let's look at it like this. God is not mad with you if you don't pay your house payment. God is not mad with you if you don't pay your car payment. In other words, you're saved and your relationship with God right here is vertical. And, 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 and your salvation is not based on that, but somebody else is going to be living in your house next week. Somebody else is going to be driving your car. Why is that? Because these relationships are not only vertical, but they are horizontal. In other words, there are stuff, even when God, even in the beginning, long before there was ever a law, and the Lord God blessed them, said, be multiple. He said, the Lord God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish have dominion. In other words, I want you to, I want you to be productive in your lives. And so these relationships are not just so, one glad morning I can go to heaven and I'm saved and thank God for the forgiveness of sin and the blood of Jesus that only requires that I believe. But I also believe there's an outworking of that relationship that says, listen, like I said in, in a prior segment, I don't, I don't commit adultery on my wife, not because the Bible says not to, I don't do it because I'm in love with her. And for conscience sake and all those things, in other words, there is some inward governing that goes on inside of me that becomes self-government where I have authority over my own spirit, my own life, and I rule well my own individual personality. Now let let me bring this up for you because I wrote some things in some notes that I think are powerful to help us understand the separation here between the governing authorities and the church. Because here the Apostle Paul is telling you that the government has the authority to wield the sword. That means they have the authority to use coercive power. They have authority to have police. They have authority to raise armies for the protection of their, their people. But God never gives authority to the church to use the sword. He gives the church the keys to the kingdom. There's a difference between the keys and the sword. And where we get in trouble is when we cross those boundaries or spheres of influence, and the church welds the sword, or the government tries to become the keys. They try to become the religious or the spiritual supply of their people. That's where we get messed up, and this is where we've crossed boundaries over the years, and I'm going to show you some things even historically where we've crossed those lines. But God sets boundaries of authority for all. And there are four, probably four basic spheres of authority. And I'm going to take my time and talk about them. The first one is self-government. We need to learn how to govern our own hearts, minds, and spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit. Once again, not by might or by power, but by His Spirit. And those that are led by the Spirit are sons of God, and they learn how to live out of the supply of the Spirit. I've shared this so many times, but it's worth saying again. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, delivered by the blood of a lamb, exactly 50 days after they're delivered by the blood of a lamb, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, and God comes down and gives them the law, rules on rocks, When God gives them the law, 3,000 people drop dead. In the New Covenant, when Jesus, who is the true Lamb of God, is slain, exactly 50 days later, it's the day of Pentecost, because Pentecost means 50. And on the day of Pentecost, God comes down on the mountain again. This time, He don't give them rules on rocks. He gives them the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit is to the New Covenant what the law was to the Old Covenant, and the Holy Spirit is the governor inside of you to help you learn how and be governed individually by the government of Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, that's the most powerful form of government, because that way, when the Holy Spirit is governing you, you don't need a church sheriff to make sure you behave. The second form of government is the home and the family unit that God ordained. I believe there's really been an attack on the enemy right now of home and family. And even Paul sets up the order of how family should be. talks about the man being the head of the house, And he talks about, you know, the rightful place of the woman who is the weaker vessel. I know people get upset when you talk like that. But this is the biblical pattern. That doesn't mean women are less, or that men are more powerful. It just means that there are areas, again, within the sphere of our makeup. I think women feel safer when they have a man who is willing to govern and make decisions and rule. I think that women are, feel better when they have a husband who wants to lead them and their family to church. Let me just pull this up real quickly and then come back to this in a minute. I saw some, uh, some stats. A pastor friend of mine uh, shared some stats with me about something that happens with families. Let me just read this. It said, roughly 70% of all prisoners come from fatherless homes. That's staggering. Approximately 80% of all rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. The statistics on fatherless outside of the prison population are just as alarming. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 63% of teen suicides occur in homes where the father was neither, was either abusive or he was absent. Virtually every adult, every, uh, every adult sociopathology or pathologist, or pathological person, uh, uh, that has crimes, uh, the problem, uh, the problem's origin from specifics, from a specific age, values and criminal history has been linked to either fatherless homes, or homes with a father and or husband who was absent, abusive, or neglectful. The stats on family serving God is if a child is the first person in the family to accept Christ and join the church, the rest of the family will do the same at only 3.5% of the time. If the mother is the first, that percentage goes to 17%. But if the father is the first to accept Christ and join the church, the rest of his family will follow 93% of the time. And I mean, there are several different sources for that statistics. But I thought to myself, that is staggering. See, we sometimes are looking for how can I change the world? You can change the world from your living room. See, what we're trying to do is do it backwards. We're trying to do it from the top down, from civil government down to the family. But see, God didn't ordain it that way. God ordained it to be the individual first, then the family unit. And then, you know, I think one of the most powerful things you can do is get up on Sunday morning and get dressed and take your family to church. I think it's tragic that we got people in college that don't even know Bible stories. They don't know the basic stories. My pastor had somebody ask her one time, how did Moses drag that ark all the way through the desert? And they were thinking, and they said to her, that was such a big boat, how would they drag a boat all the way through the desert? Well, first of all, that just really shows me the illiterateness of someone who thinks that what they drug through the desert called the ark was the ark of Noah. It wasn't the ark of Noah. It wasn't a boat they drug through there. It was the ark of the covenant that Moses and them made. But, see, we don't even know basic things. And so the most powerful thing you can do, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just making a clarion call right now, because I believe there has to be a return to the basics of how the government of heaven and the government of the kingdom and the government of civil governments need to start to operate, because what we're doing is, when it fails in one dimension, it creates a vacuum that's overtaken by something that has no legal right. Exousia is the Greek word for legal right or authority to operate. It's dunamis, which is the Greek word for dynamite or power. So if you don't have a legal right to operate, then, uh, you know, uh, if you don't have God's authority to operate in that dimension, you are out of order. So I think that God is calling us back. I mean, these are such practical, I'm really enjoying teaching this, because I think this is a practical thing that needs to be said is that we need to restore the home and the family and the relationship, and sometimes even the supper table and communication. Sometimes I think we're too busy with devices and we've got our head. We don't even know what our kids are doing. But I'm telling you, it's time to become fathers, mothers, and grandparents. Thank God. I I mean, I love to have input in my grandkids' lives. So what I believe, we have valuable stuff still to offer them. And I think our seniors would feel much more vital if we could plug them back into what it really means to be able to make a difference. Now let me just come back here uh, to, to these governing authorities again, because the second dimension was the home of the family. The third uh, dimension that God called, uh, gave us authority is the local church. The local church, and the church, according to the scriptures, when uh, Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, upon, uh, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. He says to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom and upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Now, what he's saying is that the government welds the sword, but the church has the keys, and they have the power to bind and loose. And sometimes that's not just uh, binding and loosing demonic forces. That is, we have the authority to bind and loose. In other words, we have a, we have a right to hold to task the rulers, even of authorities, are hold to task. I believe our governing authorities and say, "Listen, man, there are some things that are absolutely wrong, according to the principles." of godliness and the blessing of God with even in our government. And there's so many things about binding and losing, so many things about keys, because I think that there's some stuff that the church only has answers to. I think that when you try to get these uh, entities crossing lines, for instance, if you try to get uh, the government to try to fix the drug problem, they're not having huge success. But you find stuff like Celebrate Recovery, Teen Challenge, uh, Life or Drugs, Team Hope, some of the things that are out there, where it's the most successful at is not with government programs, but with the church who has the keys of the Holy Spirit to bring deliverance and guidance and even help to establish families in what is the proper order. That's where the keys are at. Because the keys of the kingdom unlock things that start to operate in your life that bring righteousness, peace, and joy right now, not in the sweet by-and-by, not after a while, but right now, In if you will, in expresses. And I think that what we're finding is even the government is realizing, I can't do anything that's really effective that's going to come from a government program. But the truth of it is, is the church can begin to be that part of what their function is, and the sphere of their authority is to to have the keys of the kingdom. I challenge you, man, stop, you need to lose this escape mentality and think, stop the world and let me off. The the world is in the condition it's in because of bad eschatology and an escape mentality, and and, and we we have abandoned our post and created a vacuum that the government is trying to fill, and now we become more enemies and more of a pain to the the governments than we are to a help to them. So I think God's challenging us with some stuff. He goes on to, let me just go on and, and and the the fourth dimension of, uh, of government is civil government. And here's, and I'm just going to read some stuff from my notes. I said, if you want God's power and authority, you must define the scope and limits of that authority. Jesus delegates His authority through different administrations. The different parts of His kingdom carry different assignments. It is only when we stay within these particular assignments that we carry legitimate authority. I call that spheres of authority. For instance, if you're a parent, you have authority over your children, but you don't have authority over mine. So in other words, understanding what is your sphere of authority. I I give oversight to a lot of churches, and I, 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 I may be a bishop or an apostle to one group, but I'm not to that one. So that that frees me to not have to be the church sheriff, so to speak. But where I have jurisdiction and authority, or in my family, then God expects me to use whatever authority. And sometimes I, that's not been so popular. I've had to use authority where there were friends, and I always say to people who ask me for oversight, listen, if you're looking for a yes man, you're probably looking at the wrong guy. But if you're looking at somebody who's going to give, I believe, God, I, I take it seriously, to give godly Uh, authority, and godly principles. And if I have to set somebody down, I have to set them down. I believe you ought to use every tool you can to bring restoration, but at the same time, you're responsible for the flock of God that's over you if you're a pastor. You're responsible if you're a father in your home. Stop shirking your responsibilities. I know it's easy to shirk them and let the wife do it, but you have got to step up and and lead your family. And like I said a while ago, Ben, if you just, just look at the stats. If you could just, and and I'm not trying to put condemnation on people who've had broken homes. I mean, people's lives are broken, and God loves broken people. But the truth of it is, you can still be present in your children's lives, even if there are situations that are beyond your control. So this is not about condemnation. It's about taking what sphere of influence you have and authority and using it. I'm not talking about abusive authority. I'm talking about an authority that's a God-given authority. So if you have authority over your children, not mine, You're in authority of your home and finances, and you're not in authority over your neighbors. Uh, God backs up your authority in this legitimate sphere. In this legitimate sphere, God backs up your authority. You have more power and authority than anyone else in this sphere, for better or for worse. God has appointed you as His representative in this sphere. Whenever you are standing in this place, you're the most important person there. Others may be smarter or more gifted than you are but you're the appointed one. This is a huge responsibility. If you're a parent, pastor, business owner, or a mayor, God backs up legitimate authority. That's what I said earlier is exusia. It's the legal right to have authority there. I have uh, the legal right to be the head of my house and to make decisions. However, if you try to exercise authority in someone else's sphere, then you are no longer a legitimate authority and you cannot expect God to back you up. Remember, legitimate authority is given only by God. For instance, we must obey God rather than men when government tries to intrude into the church's role, or vice versa. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, Paul's fear of influence was over the church at Corinth, not the church of Jerusalem. He was abode in, the, in, in this church that God would supply the grace needed, I said the grace needed, to be effective and successful by understanding our sphere. It frees us from the being the world's sheriffs or judging another man's servant. We must be confident in our assignment. Uh, uh, Romans 13 and, and uh, verse 1 and John chapter 19 are the sources for that authority. All authority is delegated, therefore we must not exceed the limits of that authority or use it Uh, use it opposed to the Word of God, or we become rogue tyrants, then God opposes us. And you can see James chapter 4 for that. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Uh, He's, God has assigned certain responsibilities and authorities to each of the above spheres. Uh, A man must be able to rule his own spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is heaven's government for the individual. In counseling, you cannot fix someone else's problems. You can only fix the person in front of you. It stops the blame game for the spouse. Righteousness, peace, and joy are released in that level. Proper balance must be used also in the other three spheres. God gives grace to be effective to operate in God's given boundaries, and boundaries are important. The problem comes when we refuse to take responsibility for the areas God has given us. This is often the case in families, absent fathers and mothers, or when one sphere attempts to overstep and trespass what is not their sphere or assignment. This is typically civ- civil government trying to intrude on what the church is uh, in. It ends up in either uh, uh, government abuse or church authority abuse can be one of those. Uh, church and state. How can we know what areas of life God has assigned to each human agent of this government? There are two spheres in the earth, the church, and the civil government. The Christian family is the smallest unit of the church. The church is the largest expression of the church family. The Bible gives us instructions for dividing up the different areas of responsibility. Romans 13, mm-hmm. verses 3 through 4 tells us the sword's been given to civil government. Uh, that's coercive power and the, and, 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 and symbolic of that. And uh, hence the laws for the sinner and the ungodly. The church was given the keys. Again, see Matthew 16, verse 18. The church has the keys, the government has the sword. The church is strictly forbidden to use the sword or to use coercive power. Perhaps this is why Paul turned the man uh, in Corinthians over to Satan. Satan could mean in this place an adversary, not necessarily the devil, but an adversary or adversity. It means you may have to turn somebody over to the civil laws and to the government in order to, for instance, someone who's sexually abusing their children maybe needs to be turned over to some authority. But whenever those are abused, uh, you know uh, then then in the coercive power oversteps the church power what you see is you see stuff like government trying to enforce religious rules on people almost like islam does and it ends up badly or the church trying to run the government like it did in england and we got in boats and came over here because of that we're going to have to come back and talk about this in the next segment we're just about out of time so i don't want to i don't want to rush this Come back and join me again next week on the t- at the same time on the program. If you'd like to sow seed, easy way to do it just go to linhouse.com. There's a place there where you can give via credit card, or you can give uh, uh, you know through the PayPal portal. You can also send a check or money order to the, the the address on the screen, or you can call the number on the screen and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message. We'll call you back. Thank you for joining us. God bless you.